0: on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Hi, everyone. It's Charles W. Chuck Bryan here on a lovely Saturday in Atlanta, Georgia, co-host of the Stuff You Should Know podcast, bringing you this Saturday Selects episode all the way back from June 2nd, 2014. Why is Venice so wet? The answer coming up right now.
0: Welcome to Stuff You Should Know, a production of iHeartRadio.
2: Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant. Knowles with us again.
1: And it's another morning edition. <laughs> yeah. We got an email. I think we had our last morning thing not, uh, session not too long ago, and someone wrote in and said, please don't do that again. I didn't think it was that bad you guys are clearly like really tired and uh not the same so uh, what i say is if you have a choice is save this one for the morning and just pretend like we're your local npr station or a cup of joe like josh is drinking yeah and yeah it smells so good (laughs) and let's uh let's do this
2: morning style let's do it man um Let's do this morning style in Italian. Yeah, this is going to be a fan favorite, I predict, because there's some Italian pronunciations that I'm sure you will do for everybody. Right? I'm gonna do it my best. Oh, that was good. Yeah,
1: good little taste of it. Yes, that's one of the accents you can uh, have a great time with without people saying that you're offensive. That's a T-shirt. Yeah. (laughs) So, Chuck, you heard about them sea levels?
2: Yeah, rising, falling. Yeah. Due to climate change, that's what some say. Well, it's climate change. The the, the big bone of contention is oh, whether sure. it's human caused, right? Right. Or anthropogenic. Yeah. Uh The thing is, there are there, it is undeniable that sea levels are rising. Yes. At a rate of about three millimeters a year. Yeah. Which doesn't sound like much, but buddy, if you live for a thousand years, mm-hmm. you'd see the sea levels rise by three meters. Yeah. Which is almost ten feet in America.
1: Yeah, not the biggest deal in some parts of the world, big deal in Venice.
2: Yeah, and, you know, if you're waiting a 1,000 years to watch it rise 3 meters, that's the current rate of uh, sea level rise. It could speed up tremendously. And while 3 millimeters might not sound that much to you out in the Rockies. Sure. Yeah, because it's nice and dry there in the middle of the mountain. And they're all stoned. Right. Yeah, because it's legal there. Yeah, who cares? Uh if you're in a place like um the Maldives you're saying wow my country is probably not going to exist in the next like 20 years. Yeah, that's or, scary. If you're in New Orleans, yeah, worried about the same thing. And a little town known as Venice, Italy uh is facing the same problem and has been for a very long time.
1: And you say little town uh it is getting smaller uh, not only physically but the population because Venice is such a mess. Has declined down to about sixty thousand people now. Yeah, over the years from uh, like a hundred and eighty. Yes, because people are tired of getting wet.
2: They are. They used to get wet. Um, say back in nineteen hundred, they would get wet about ten times a year due to flooding. They yeah. could expect ten noteworthy floods a year. And, yeah. and when we say noteworthy floods, we mean like the squares uh, in the throughout the city are flooded up to maybe your knees. Yeah, kind of like the whole ground floor of Venice. Yeah. Gets flooded like you're slogging around, which yeah. I mean sounds kind of fun when you're a kid, but it's not that fun, <laughs> right? Especially when you're an adult who may be a germaphobe, because Venice has an antiquated sewer system. That's uh, antiquated is
1: uh, the perfect word. <laughs>
2: yeah, by antiquated we mean all of the um, sewer pipes go right out into the canals. Yep, and they have along the um, along the years added like septic tanks to yeah. treat the stuff first, but not everybody has those. Right. Um, And sometimes they get backed up, too. But the raw sewage or septically treated sewage in Venice goes into those canals that you float around in on on boats. And when you're swimming around in the flood, like a tourist, uh, you're swimming around in fecal material. Did tourists get in that water? There's a picture of it um, on a, uh, oh, man, I can't remember. I think like a Bloomberg article about Venice Uh or maybe Wired but it's like if you know about Venice you'll think these people are crazy for swimming in this yeah flood water and it shows a couple of tourists like swimming in a flood in the Ugh. middle of the square um a San Marco the
1: San Marco square
2: yeah yeah and now that you know it's it's gross to see
1: they're like it tastes briny and sort <laughs> of uh umami right
2: (laughs) why are my lips swollen yeah it's uh it's that's one of many many problems facing venice right now an antiquated sewer system and a lot of the problems are unique just because of the city and how it's created yeah let's
1: talk about this because venice is not something i knew a ton about i knew it was on the water i knew it was sinking Mm -hmm. shout out by the way to venice is sinking athens band oh okay Uh, and stuff you should know fans Oh, nice. Um, well, then I like them already. Yes. Noel, you know those guys? He does, in fact. Noel says, mm-hmm. Noel a- talks. Jerry doesn't. <laughs> what if he was real something. loud and was like, oh, yeah.
2: Yeah. They're great. He launches into like a five minute discourse on them. <laughs> uh,
1: so I knew a little bit about Venice, very little, though. I'd never been there. But when I watched this awesome video that Josh found, yeah, um, we should go ahead and plug it because it's just super cool.
2: Yeah. It's called um, Venice Backstage. Period. How does Venice work? Yeah. And it was created by the Insula Spa, which is, I guess, the production arm of the city of Venice. Yeah. So it's like a a locally produced video about Venice, but it's one of the most fascinating like 18-minute videos I've ever
1: seen. Yeah. I mean, they pack a lot of learning into that 18 minutes. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you don't know much about Venice, imagine if you do know something about New York City, imagine like the Greenwich Village. Uh, and I use Greenwich Village cause it's not on like the direct, like north, south, east, west grid. They got all those crazy diagonal streets. Imagine plus, if- Plus it's so <laughs> hot right now cause of and Davis. Yeah, true. Um, imagine Greenwich Village if every block was an island and that's essentially what Venice is. Right. It is 124 tiny little islands all packed together. Mm-hmm. And instead of streets, you have water, mm-hmm. uh, 183 canals, and it's all connected by little footbridges and real bridges. Yep. Uh, and yes, canals by boat. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy when you, I had never even seen like the big zoom in from above bird's mm-hmm. eye view of what Venice looks like. And mm-hmm. I was like. That's what's going on? Yeah, it's crazy because, yeah. I mean, when especially when you're in the city, like you're walking over
2: canals, but you don't give too much thought to them. You're, you're just like, oh, that's so quaint. Yeah. It, you're almost thinking like they they dug that out on purpose or something to right. get tourists. No, those are
1: necessity. Yeah, it's, it's odd. It, it was an odd and different way for a city to form. Right. They didn't start from a city center and grow out. <clears throat> Each little block and section was its own little thing.
2: Yeah, it was kind of its own little municipality. Yeah. Um, and the reason that these people set up shop hundreds and hundreds of years ago uh, on these islands was for for protection. Yeah. Venice was a very well-protected um, municipality or, or cluster of municipalities, right? Yeah, it sits
1: in a lagoon, mm-hmm. and uh, there are three uh, waterways that flow water in and out every day, twice a day with the tides.
2: Yeah, the Adriatic flows in... Um, to the lagoon and uh, brings it out, brings the water back out at uh, low tide, right? Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. high tide it brings water in, low tide it takes the water out, which is why they're not that worried about their sewage going <laughs> into the canals. Because, Supposedly, yeah. Because the, the water comes in and kind of brings all the trash out to the sea and then no one sees it, so, so it's like, fine. It's a self-flushing system. Yeah, well, I mean, it pretty much is. So that's how they've been able to put up with that for so long, because twice a day, um the water is exchanged. There's there is a big exchange to it. The problem is when that water comes in, especially when you include sea level rises and uh now up to six times more flooding per year. Remember it was like ten times a year in nineteen hundred. Yeah. Now that's up to about sixty floods. Yeah. Um you, you have kind of a problem now. You've got the you, you have a sinking city essentially is what it's what it amounts to
1: yeah i mean it's it's two things it's the water rises and venice itself the buildings are sinking so right those are two bad things that go you know that don't taste great together
2: the reason that's sinking is because they extract fresh water from beneath the city right yeah (laughs) so there's less of a solid foundation now and um there's also drilling nearby yeah, like for natural gas or um, fossil fuels, and uh, it's also just eroding.
1: Well, yeah, they've done a lot of things over the years. When you've got seawater lapping up against, well, let's step back. It's not just dirt and stuff. They realized pretty early on we're not going to be around unless we encase the entire city basically in brick. Yeah. Below the water line. And they, they came
2: up with some really ingenious construction methods that you can Super see. Super ingenious. In that uh, Venice
1: Backstage video on Vimeo. Is it Vimeo? Yeah. Uh, but even though they've encon- ensconced the whole city in brick uh, as a foundation, that's was lapping salt water and it's, you know, these canals are busy. It's not just the gondolier singing the, the song. Like they're, if you see real footage and not movie footage, mm-hmm. they're packed with boats. Oh, yeah. Motor boats, cruise ships, all sorts of stuff. Yeah. And uh, that action creates a lot of movement in the water, and it just whittles away it, those bricks little by little over the years, over hundreds and hundreds of years. That's right. And then that's why Venice is sinking.
2: Um, part of the other problem, too, is uh, sediment builds up in the canals. They're supposed to close them down um, on a fairly regular basis. Yeah. Basically dam them up, drain them. And then remove the sediment and basically clean All the it dead out. bodies. <laughs> yeah. Um, they stopped doing that as frequently as before, and there, there's been a, a problem as a result. Plus, salt water uh, permeates bricks. Bricks are um, semi-permeable. Yeah. And they have capillary action, so it draws salt water up into the bricks, which, I mean, as long as bricks are connected by mortar... That water, that salt water, will rise all the way to the top of a building. Yeah, and when the water evaporates, the water's gone, but the salt stays, and it apparently increases in volume tremendously, and basically yeah. crushes the bricks from the inside out.
1: Yeah, and they've they've been taking steps and measures little by little in different ways over the years to help, but they're they're kind of fighting a losing battle. They will like inject resin into the mm-hmm. uh, between the bricks and into the bricks with yeah, like hydraulics, a, a barrier, but you know. They're fighting, like I said, they're fighting Mother Nature here.
2: Right. So finally, they've said, let's turn our attention from these um, these piecemeal measures of you know kind of, of treating bricks, and go to where the problem is. Let's go to the doorstep of the problem, which is the Adriatic, and the three inlets into the lagoon. Yeah. And they turn their attention to that, and now they've come up with a pretty great plan for dealing with rising tides and floodwaters. Find Altoids in the checkout aisle. Grab your tin today.
1: All right, so there's a plan. You know, one thing on that video too quickly that amazed me, you're talking about the building construction. Um, the walls in Venice, the exterior walls have a tendency to bow out at the top. Mm. And uh, so they have these... these basically hooks that pull from the inside the walls in, and then those long metal hooks travel into the floor where they're spiked into the floor. So they're trying to pull it in there. And then the roofs of the buildings in Venice aren't just like, hey, let's keep the water out. They are literally like caps that lock the walls in right. at the top. Yeah. So it's uh, it's not just like a, a weather protector roof. It's It's actually like... If the roof wasn't there, the walls would bow out. Mm-hmm. And then the interior walls don't even connect rigidly to the exterior walls. Yeah, it allows some give so that they yeah. can
2: move back and forth as the
1: the wave action basically moves the walls. So, I mean, we're saying Venice is a mess, but it's really a, an ingenious city of just engineering, mm-hmm. the fact that it's still there at all. Right. You know?
2: And I, another construction point that kind of stuck out to me was that buildings in Venice— are built on piles of
1: stakes, like yeah. wooden
2: stakes driven into the ground to kind yeah. of reinforce the mucky ground
1: to build on. First, it's really a remarkable place when you <laughs> look is. at all the things they've had to do just to make that what shouldn't even be a city. I mean, let's yeah. let's get real. But it's a
2: very neat, beautiful city. Have you been? No. You me and I went last summer, and it is gorgeous. Yeah, I did it, Rome. It's Rome and very that's neat. It. Yeah, Rome's neat too. Yeah. Just walking around and all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm next to 3,000-year-old ruins. It's just basically part of the
1: cityscape. Right, whereas here in Atlanta you're like, oh, there's a Burger King. (laughs) (laughs) Right, but it's from the 60s. (laughs) Right, exactly. All right, so we we had a pretty good cliffhanger that they had an idea. (laughs) So go ahead, announce it. Oh, okay. Well,
2: uh, the idea Uh is called Mosaic, or uh, you should do this, Chuck. Uh,
1: The uh, Modulo Experimentale electromechanico.
2: <laughs> Not bad.
1: Electromechanico. So that's
2: the experimental electromechanical module, which is the reason that that uh, has that clumsy name. Yeah. Is because M O S E, the acronym, is also the Italian spelling uh, for Mose or Moses. Yeah. And basically, what they what Moses was well known for one of his many hits was parting the Red Sea. Right. Well, they thought that was very clever. That was that his biggest hit. They were coming. I don't know. He did a lot of stuff. Yeah. Ten Commandments? That was a pretty big hit. Burning Bush?
1: I would say the Red Sea was his American Pie. Or no. <laughs> yeah, that was his Baker Street. The Ten Commandments was his uh, Right Down the Line.
2: Who did? Jerry Rafferty. Baker Street? That was the saxophone one, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And Right Down the Line was his other hit. So
2: I'd never heard that one.
1: You have. You just don't know it. Okay. Says you. I was just about to bust it out. Too
2: early. So, anyway, Mose, Moses in Italian, mm-hmm. uh, It's a that's a clever use of an acronym because this thing, the contraption they came up with, it's pretty ingenious and clever to defend against these rising high tides, which are known as aqua alta, acqua alta.
1: Yeah, and this is one of those things where you say ingenious and clever, but I would add in its simplicity. Right. These are my favorite kinds of projects when man looks at something and says, "Well, why don't we just build a big gate?" <laughs> and that's pretty much what it is, yeah, yeah, so but, but it is more complicated than that and let's let's talk about the Mose.
2: so um remember we said sea levels are rising in general, but uh high tides are a really big problem in Venice, yeah, because they're getting higher um so the mosaic project uh is it consists of a bunch of gates that can be brought up and raised on command. Uh, They have a magician who commands the gates to rise. (laughs) Uh, And um, the gates come up and basically separate the lagoon from the Adriatic Sea.
1: Yeah, so imagine a a big, huge steel door that lays flat on the bottom of the ocean. And uh, they fill it with air, and it's got two hinges on one side. So that big steel door just raises up as it fills with air, obviously becoming more buoyant, until it looks like about a 45-degree angle uh, facing out uh, into the sea, away from the city. And that's it. It's just a barrier. Yeah, It just swings up, and I think there's about a two-foot differential in the water levels, and uh, it it essentially prevents high tide from happening within the, the Venice Lagoon. That's exactly right. And um, these these basically
2: walls, floating walls is what they amount to. Like you said, they have hinges on the bottom. Uh, and there's all sorts of pictures of the Mose project, the Mosaic project, um, all over the Internet. I found it exponentially easier to understand sure. when I saw what they were talking about. Yeah, it's like, oh,
1: that's all it is? All right. Yeah.
2: But it'll allow us to uh, clumsily try to get this across. So you've got the, the hinges um hinge the the metal wall to the bottom of the seafloor, right? Well, not to the seafloor. Well, to a concrete trench yeah. within the seafloor that the thing sits in when it's not in use. Yeah, they tried to pound it right into the sand and they were like, it's a not a working. <laughs> right. <laughs> Get us some concrete. So they, the these trenches also provide a place for engineers to go underneath and basically yeah. fix things and fiddle with stuff. And it also provides the delivery system for the compressed air that the uh, hollow metal walls gates basically yeah um fill up with air so that they start to stand upright yeah and how long does that take like 20 minutes or 30 minutes yeah and then uh it takes a, about the same time for it to fill them with seawater again to return them back to their laying position yeah on the floor
1: and it was a little quicker going down but um which yeah makes sense
2: yes but that's pretty much it it when the high tide's coming they fill them with air so that the gates stand up above water. Yeah. And then on the lagoon side the sea level stays low. On the seaside it can get as high as it likes. And because they're hinged yeah. and filled with air, they're not rigid, which means that they can take a pounding and they can sway back and forth a little bit and yeah. still not give. Yeah. So it it is like you said, it's it's ingenious in its simplicity.
1: It is. And it uh it officially launched in two thousand three and that was and this was after years and years of um, I guess, ideas and bids and plans. And the MOSE project is what finally won out. Uh, they said it was going to be 2 to $3 billion and would be done in 2012. Uh, it's still not done. They're looking at 2016 now. Um, they did the first successful test late last year, And like with every big project, city project like that, it's going to be over budget and over uh, scheduled.
2: Yes, but there's a lot of accusations of corruption. Really? Yeah. Southern Italy, a big uh, public project so corrupt? The the group that suggested the thing in the first place is called the...
1: uh, You want to take it? Someone's going to be offended by me, by the way. Maybe. (laughs) Uh, I'll bet they're not Italian, though. (laughs) Consorzio Venezia...
2: Nova. So that's basically the New Venice Consortium. It's a group of companies and construction companies that said, hey, we've got an idea for this problem. Let's
1: try this. Yeah. And we'll build it for you. We had all the companies under our banner that can provide everything you need. Right. And they said, we'll build it for you for 2
2: to $3 billion. Sure. And everybody went, What? Which sounds like a lot, including to people in Venice. Is that American dollars or is that euros? That's uh, American dollars. Okay. As far as I'm seeing right here. Yeah. Um, but if you go to Venice, like a uh, uh, martini is like $15 or is it? $25. You know, it's like 20 or 25 bucks for like a little tiny martini at Harry's Bar. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So – It sounds like a lot, but all you have to do is go open the cash register at Harry's Bar on a Tuesday (laughs) afternoon, and you can get 2 to $3 billion to pay for this project, you know? All right. Someone's a little salty about their Venice. It was really expensive. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It was neat, but it's also, like, really expensive. Europe's not cheap. No. Find Altoids in the checkout aisle. Grab your tin today. So there was a lot of, a lot of accusations of corruption, mm-hmm. of kickbacks, of the thing being artificially uh, expensive. Yeah. Apparently, there was a study that found like this thing is they've padded this tremendously. But by the time this came out. Um, public opinion apparently wasn't enough to stop it. Construction had started, they did their first test in 2012, apparently it was successful, and the uh, mosaic project continues. And I believe they're sh- they're tracking for 2016 they are. to have all of the gates across all three of the inlets uh, operational.
1: Yeah, and you said multiple gates. So each of these uh, inlets, you have the Lido, uh, the Malamoco, and then... I pronounce this Chioggia, but I heard it much, much differently on the uh, video. So I know that's not right. But those are the three inlets. And um, Well, that was a British student. They just pronounce things however they want. Yeah, that's true. And then we assume
2: because they're <laughs> European, they know.
1: <laughs> You're right. Uh, so it's not like one big gate for each of these things because the, it's on a curve and you can't just have one huge gate. So the, um, the Malamoco and the Chioggia have... Uh, the Malamoco has 19 gates, the Chioja has 18, and they're all in one row. And then the Big Daddy, the Lido, has two rows, uh, one with 20 gates and one with 21 gates. Yeah, and, and we... they're not all the same si- Same, they're the same width, but they're not all the same height.
2: Right, and I mean they don't need to be.
1: No, some are taller than others. They're all about 16 feet thick. So these are huge, huge, walled
2: gates so yeah i think we should i don't know if we've gotten across how big they are you said they're 16 feet or about five meters thick yeah um they're the the deepest amount of water is 100 feet which is like 30 meters uh so these things are taller than that yeah or if need be yeah uh and then they're uh what about 350
1: tons i think that's just for like one of the gates yes like one single panel could weighs as much as a 737, or is it 747? A
2: 747, and they, they are using something uh, that Rolls-Royce makes that is basically an elevator for ships to convey each of the gates out to the sea floor. Oh, really? Yeah, and it takes three days to move a gate. Wow. Yeah, so they're really, really big gates. Yeah. But they are going to be very nimble when filled with compressed air and smacked around by waves. Plus they're in water. Yeah. So that helps with the weight. That reminds me uh, that this project faces a lot of problems that, that the project faces. So there's, there's some people have said, maybe this is a good idea in theory, but practically this may or may not work. What if sea levels rise faster than we think? Yeah. Then these things are going to basically be very expensive, totally obsolete
1: yeah. gates. Like the water would just go right over the top of them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's a nightmare scenario. Yeah, That when I, when I saw what I saw— it didn't look like to me they came out of the water enough. I was like, I would add another five feet, yeah, just to be safe. Just
2: to be safe, you know. Um, so that's one possible problem. Uh, another one that apparently they haven't addressed is the buildup of sediment. Remember, we said that you have to clean out the canals pretty frequently because sediment builds up, yeah, backs up septic systems, it crumbles brick walls. Well, it will also fill in these trenches, which apparently need to be totally flat. Yeah. And as sediment builds up, then these things aren't going to lay flat again, and you may have some problems. Apparently, that's something that hasn't
1: been addressed by the Mosaic Project how to deal with sediment buildup. Well, I know they got about 150 people that will just be full time caretaking staff. Uh, and I guess part of their job will be to clean that stuff up, huh? I would guess. Uh, and some of the other problems. Um, Anytime you're undertaking a project like this that has to uh, interact with the elements in Mother Nature, they're going to be environmental concerns. Mm -hmm. And uh, they range the spectrum here from we don't really know how this is going to affect things uh, and disrupt the ecosystem to, well, wait a minute, we need this constant flow in and out of water twice a day to our giant toilet that we're living in. right? <laughs> uh, and proponents will say, it's uh, going to be better, actually. Because, yeah. uh, and it sort of makes sense. If there's, um, if you, have three holes going into something, and you plug up two of them. Mm-hmm. You're going to have a stronger flow in the one hole.
2: Right, exactly. So they're saying we can actually use this yeah. to manipulate this flow of water artificially and make a better toilet flusher. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But I think that hopefully the ones who are like, well, but why don't we just use this as a um, an opportunity to update our septic system as a whole or our yeah. sewer
1: system as a whole? Hopefully, those guys will win out. Uh, but pollution, increased pollution levels are definitely an issue that uh, environmentalists are looking at. And uh, I, I just get the picture in southern Italy. It's a, tough, uh, it's a tough game, you know. There seems to be a lot of fighting. Like, this was a very controversial project. Yeah, but... And it uh, still remains so.
2: Yeah, and it seems to be marching on. They, they, one of the other criticisms was that they, uh, they basically just ignored easier, less expensive options... Right that have proven effective elsewhere,
1: yeah, like, the Netherlands,
2: yeah, or like building barrier islands, yeah, underwater dikes, uh, but although apparently they have a lot of this stuff already, and it's not necessarily helping, it's mainly just reinforcing the natural um barriers that already exist, yeah, I guess they're like, why don't we just put up more of that?
1: yeah, I think it's interesting to uh it's gonna be interesting to see how this plays out, I really hope it works because. They've sunk a lot of money into this, and they're—I mean, they—they they moved all in on this mosaic system. Yeah, like they can't scrap it and say, "Well, it didn't work. Let's think of something new."
2: Yeah, and I wonder how how much it would be to just like the, you can't just add a new gate, a new taller gate, if the sea levels do rise faster, and they, these these the ones they have proved too short because it has to sit flush in the trench. Yeah. So you'd have to create a whole nother trench to accommodate this larger gate. It'd be a real problem. That's the worst-case scenario to me.
1: Is if it's, uh, yeah. If they're too short. Yeah, the water laps. I mean, surely they thought of that. It didn't look right to me, but they know what they're doing, right? I hope so. Pretty neat. And hopefully, you know, they had all this, in that great video, a lot of footage where it looked like, it looked like some parts of Venice on a daily basis with high tide is slightly underwater yeah They just showed people walking to work through water and delivering stuff to places through water mm-hmm. and, and everyone looks very sick of it
2: yeah go check out um, on Vimeo Venice Backstage uh, that is definitely worth watching Venice Backstage period how does Venice work I think they meant to put a colon there the period bugs me a period in a title they're from England Josh uh, no these are the Venetians that made this they're from Venice Josh um, they know what they're doing. Yeah, and check out stuff on the Mose project. Mose. Mose. I just want to say Mose from uh, Paper Moon. Your favorite movie, right? Yeah. Boom. Uh, and if you want to learn even more about the Mose project, you can type in M-O-S-E project in the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com, and that will bring up this
1: article. Yeah, and hey, check out Venice's Sinking from Athens, Georgia. Yeah, that's nice of you. My other. one buddy is no longer in the band, but... um. You're still friendly with the other guys. No, they haven't been in touch actually, but (laughs) they sent they sent a record,
2: and they're good folk. Well, and if you ever get a chance to go to Venice, I recommend you do it because it is a neat town. But don't go to Harry's Bar. You have to go to Harry's Bar. Is that the legendary place? That's where the Bellini was created. Why didn't you have a Bellini?
1: You you had a Bellini.
2: (laughs) She had a Bellini. I had a Martini. What is a Bellini? A Bellini's a Peach juice, peach puree, and champagne. Okay. Very good. Yeah. But again, it's like basically a shot for, I think it was like $25 or maybe even more. Yeah. But you have to. You have to go there. You walk past the seat that Hemingway used to drink at. Right. You know, it's a neat place. Yeah, there's a lot of those seats around the world, though. (laughs) Yeah, right. You know, find a cheaper (laughs) one. Yeah. Uh, I think we already went through the whole rigmarole that leads us up to listener mail. So now it's time for listener mail.
1: Uh, I'm going to call this uh, Murderer in Our Mist. Mist. Not Murderer in the Mist. That's different. You're thinking of gorillas in the mist. Uh, Hey, guys. I have a boring job, so I binge listen uh, several days a week to your show. I was listening to the Insanity Defense episode, and I heard a very familiar name. I happened to have met John Delling during his killing spree. I used to manage a coffee shop, and a guy was oddly peering in the window... With his hand pressed against a glass, though the store was clearly open, Uh, he paced around the building for a while, thought it was pretty weird, so I sent uh, the girl working with me. (laughs) Pretty brave of you, Josh. (laughs) His name is Josh, by the way. Oh, okay. I was going to say what I do. I sent the girl working with me in the back. Oh, no. Okay. I take it all back. He was trying to protect her. And that was me. (laughs) I sent her in the back and told her to hang out there until he left. Uh, He came in, looked the menu over, and asked if our ice cream was any good. I gave him a free sample. Uh, Here you go.
2: We don't want any trouble. He he liked
1: it. He liked it and said he had to go to his car to get some money. He literally said, I'll be right back. Then he went out to his car for a while and drove away. A couple of days later, uh, the girl I was working with that night uh, called crying and told me to find a newspaper. Well, no wonder he's sitting in the back. She's clearly fragile. She's crying. (laughs) Like the guy was at the front door.
2: Did you see that Sunday New York Times is $6 now?
1: Uh, on the front page was a large mugshot of our guy from a couple of nights previous. Turns out he had actually left the store and murdered someone. Crazy. And Because um, the ice cream drove him nuts. I guess so. And he stole something, uh, stole their car that same I- evening. Anyway, I just thought it was an interesting connection. Uh, the guy was definitely in need of some help. And as you mentioned, had no shot at getting it in the legal system here in Idaho. It is clearly a tricky ethical area. Uh, thanks, everybody. And that is from Josh Knoll. That's from way back, huh? The Insanity Defense? Yeah. That was a good one, though, it turned out. Yeah. We learned a lot. So he fed a guy ice cream, and he went out and killed someone. Man, that is really scary stuff. And his coworker, who was around for none of it, cried when she read the paper.
2: Yeah. Apparently, she never got any work done, because any time a customer came in, she'd get sent to the back. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Uh, Crazy. What was the dude's name? Josh Knoll. Oh, yeah. Josh Thanks, Josh. It's always good to hear from another Josh, because we are the greatest names on the planet. Josh. That's such a great name. It is. Especially if you say it in other ways, like yosh or hosh. Yeah. There's all sorts of ways you can say Josh, but really the only right way to say it is Josh.
1: And it's a verb.
2: Yeah. You can Josh. And it's a a friendly verb, too, because you're making fun of somebody, but in a non-hostile way. Yeah, Chuck is a verb, too. How about that? Yeah, look at us. Right. Joshin' and Chuckin'. (laughs) Yeah, that's good stuff, Chuck. I can't believe it's taken us this many years to come up with that. Uh, If you want to tell us to shut up, you can tweet to us at SYSK Podcast. You can uh, join us on Facebook.com slash Stuff You Should Know. Drop us a line via email at StuffPodcast at HowStuffWorks.com. And wait, wait, don't press stop yet. Go check out our awesome website. It will be your new favorite home on the web. It, just bookmark it and do yourself a favor make it your homepage the url is http colon slash slash www.stuffyoushouldknow.com
0: Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio for more podcasts from iHeartRadio visit the iHeartRadio app Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite shows
1: And you can enjoy the clean taste of Richard's still rainwater and the long-lasting cold pressured bubbles of Richard's sparkling rainwater. Just visit richardsrainwater.com to find a retailer near you. That's richardsrainwater.com, and we even have a special offer, don't we, Josh?
2: Yeah, text stuff to two five one two nine two eighty eight eighty seven, and you'll get two dollars off a twelve-pack case of Richard's rainwater. Sip the sky. Yeah. In business, first impressions are everything. And that's why every business owner needs to know about Ruby. Ruby is the virtual receptionist company who screens, transfers, and takes messages 24-7, all while making your customers feel special. You definitely don't want to hire a subpar front desk person. And with Ruby, they engage with your callers in a conversational way, just like your best employee would. Never miss another customer call again. This year, make your business the best it can be. Visit ruby.com today or just call them at 844-900-R-U-B-Y. Find Altoids in the checkout aisle. Grab your tin today.